We're starting a series right now called You Asked For It. I think we had more, more people submit requests this year than ever. And there's, I don't know, over a hundred probably different things that you asked for. So if you don't know, we're going to begin preaching uh, tonight through questions that you're asking about the Bible. We're not here to give our opinion. We're here to give God's word based on questions that you're asking. And so I'm really excited to preach to you. I'm going to share with you in just a moment the actually numerous questions that one specific person asked. So I'd like to just pray and then we'll jump into it. Lord, I thank you for tonight. And just like I was praying earlier, I pray that we would all feel the weight of your glory and the weight of your presence that we wouldn't take lightly the privilege that it is to gather together and spiritually speaking, the privilege that it is to be able to come before you in your throne room with boldness. It's amazing. And so we commit ourselves to you in this time and we ask you, Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want to speak to us, speak to us and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can grab a seat. Put your hands together for this. Amazing worship team. Thank you, guys. So in the year 1943, there was a body of a British airman of high rank that washed up on the shores in Spain. Now, if you know history, this would have been right in the middle of World War II, And this was a unique corpse that was found because strapped to this soldier was handcuffed a briefcase. And inside the briefcase was critical intelligence documents that lined out the Allies' plans for how to defeat Hitler and the rest of the evil Axis armies. The documents contained Allied forces' uh, plans to focus on attacking the Nazi armies through Greece and Sardinia. This was absolutely critical information to the war. A Spanish fisherman or fishing boat sees this body floating off the coast. They pick him up and they bring him to the mainland and they turn him over to the military base that was in that area in Spain. So, of course, they get into the briefcase and they find the documents. And eventually those documents were actually sent back to Britain, where they originated from. But, as it turns out and as history has shown, all of the context contents of the Important information actually made its way all the way to Hitler's desk. So, privy to the secret information that they shouldn't have known, Hitler moved a great number of forces to Greece and Sardinia and away from other areas, specifically Sicily. Now, the only problem... With this information is that it was a complete ruse. It was it was completely false. It was conjured up by the Allied forces. That's us. 
case you didn't know, that's us. <laughs> a total fabrication. It was um, deception. The operation was called Operation Mincemeat. <laughs> the body of the man who washed up in the, uh, the ocean outside of Spain was, I guess, this, this homeless man who died of rat poisoning, a, a, a vagrant, a bad guy, not a soldier at all, never been in the army. They literally took his corpse, made up an entire story about him, put in the briefcase fake intelligence documents, put in the briefcase a fake picture of his wife, a stub to get into a nightclub, an entire story of this guy's life that would make them think not just that they found the intelligence documents, but the intelligence documents were credible based on this whole story and all the things. They put him in a submarine, and in the middle of the night, the submarine came up, threw his body out, and took off. So, lucky for us, the deception worked. One article said this, although the impact is impossible to calculate precisely, the deception is seen by many historians as having played a critical role in securing the Nazis' defeat. The framers of the operation, Mincemeat, dreamed up this most unlikely series of interconnected events three or four years prior. And they rendered them believable and sent them off to war, changing the reality through lateral thinking. Operation Mincemeat was pure make-believe, and it made Hitler believe something that changed the course of history. If Mincemeat failed, all of the other elements of the deception might have been revealed to be an enormous fraud allowing the Germans to reinforce Sicily. So he moved his forces, and when he did that, they went in because really what they wanted was Sicily, and they, they won Sicily, and of course we went on to, to win the war. Now, who knows, you know, what that specific action, but I was talking to my friend Chase, who is a, a military lover and World War II history buff, Thank you, Chase, for the help this week in my research. Yeah, buddy. Believe me, if you are a veteran, that dude wants to hang out with you. Anyway, he, he told me that Operation Mincemeat was not the only deception. Uh, D-Day apparently had a lot of deception in it. So um, in our case, the deception worked for good. For Hitler and the Nazis, it worked for bad. But the truth is that we, you and I, we are also in a battle right now, and it's not typically the good guys that are going to use the tactics of deception, it's always the bad guy. And so I'm going to preach this message to you today entitled Operation Mincemeat, Why We Must Defend Against Deception. This is the exact, well, not the exact, I reworded it. It was a very long question that I got. It was the longest question that we got in, in, for you asked for. It was written out on a whole, a whole prayer card. This is what it said. I want to honor the question that was asked and do my best to preach through it. Now, I can't, I can't cover all of it, of course. It's a big subject, but this is exactly what was asked. Uh, quote, Matthew 24, watch out that nobody deceives you. 
This is Jesus speaking. And then they ask this. What are common techniques used to deceive us? Number two, how can we recognize deception? Number three, what authority do we have over deception? Or number three, number four, what does life without deception look like and how can we maintain it? There's a lot. Good questions. So I'm going to jump in. We're going to cover a lot of scripture today. Not something that I typically do. I like to preach on one passage, but I got I to gotta lay a big foundation here. And I don't know why the version thing wouldn't work. We tried. but So if you could just try and follow along with me, they'll be up here on the screen. Uh, just just um, so you know, I'm going to build a foundation here, okay? So starting in Matthew 24, just so you know that deception is indeed happening. I don't think I probably need to, to convince you, but um, just in case I do, it is talked about many, many times. And I want you to notice the language because I, I was even thrown off by the language in some of the versions, including the one that I usually read. And you're going to notice that there's, well, you'll see. So Matthew 24, this is actually the passage that the person quoted in the question. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will, the things, when will these things be and what will the sign be of your coming and the end of the age? A lot, of, a lot of people these days are talking about, is it the end? Is this the end? Are we in the end times? And you know what? I don't know. But some of the scriptures definitely sure sound like it. Now, I don't know. I personally don't think we should focus so much on that because I, I find that sometimes people get so caught up as to whether or not we're in the end times that we forget about the present time that we're in. <laughs> and I just want to focus on as long as I have this earth and people that don't know Jesus, helping them know Jesus. Um, but any, nevertheless, this, this is the passages that are talking about the end. And Jesus answered them, see to it that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will be, many, many will be led astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. For these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now we're seeing that today, but, but we have also seen war throughout all of time, right? There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these things are the beginning of the birth pains. The same thing is repeated in Mark 13. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And then again, Luke chapter 21 he said to them, see to it that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand, do not go after them. So there are some things that are recorded, not, not a ton, but there are some things that are recorded in all, there's a very few things that are recorded in all four gospels. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have more things in common, and this is one of them. You notice the same wording. He's talking about the same thing, the end of the age. He's talking about somebody coming in his name. So it's talking about the end times, and he says, and it's recorded in all three synoptic gospels, do not be led astray. So you may, have, you may be wondering, like, I didn't hear the word deceived in there. And it was really interesting as I was doing my research this week, uh, because if you, if you go to a lot of English versions and you type just deception or deceived or whatever, and you find the results in the English, you're not going to find it show up as many times as you would the, the actual word in the Greek. So I have a couple websites that I like to study from where I can find the Greek word, 
and then I could find all of the times that the Greek word shows up, and then you could see the different ways that it's rendered. Some people have a problem with that, like, well, the translations are often, but it, we do this ourselves as well all the time. Like, words have numerous different nuances and meanings, and so the translators are doing the best they can to translate uh, what is appropriate in this different circumstances, but I go out of my way to point it out for this message. I don't always the Greek, but in this case, I found it to be significant because this, the same word for to be deceived is the same word to be led astray. Now, go with me because I actually think that this is significant because when you and I typically think of what it is to be deceived, We're thinking of, oh, they fooled me, and I thought wrong in my mind. You you lied to me, or you got me to believe something that wasn't true. Magicians do this. Illusionists do do this. Politicians do this. (laughs) Salesmen do this. Many people do this. Man, if you're honest with yourself, you might do this. But I I wanted to point out the definition because inherent in the word in the New Testament is it, it, they're inextricably linked is this idea of believing wrong and going wrong, right? Thinking incorrectly and that leading to your action. In other words, if you are deceived, it will lead to to walking astray. There's, There's not this concept of you're just thinking right, and it's not, it's not really thinking wrongly, and it's not doing anything in your life. It, it is, and it will do something in your life. If you are deceived, you're walking astray. Or you could say it like this. If you are walking astray, if you are choosing sin, if you are walking other than the way that God has asked you to walk, you are deceived. Do you see what I'm saying? They're together. We are in a battle of deception, and this battle has been going on since the beginning of time. I've talked about it many times. I talked about it even last weekend uh, on, on Good Friday and on Saturday, that we have an enemy, and the enemy's primary tactics are lies and deception. And it, it started in the garden. But just in case you don't believe me, let me just read a few passages. First Timothy 4 says this. Now notice... This specific passage is talking about those people of faith. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. So if they're departing from the faith, they must be somehow in the faith. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Okay, so the origin of deceit is demons. Or the devil. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This one's talking about unbelievers. In their case, the God of this world, that's another term for Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So there's a blinding that happens, right, in, in uh, de- deception as a tactic of the enemy. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon who was thrown down, just so, just so it's really clear to you who, who this great deceiver is. The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, so the one from the very beginning in the garden, who is called the devil or Satan, 
the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So just so it's clear, the devil is a liar. He and his demons are deceivers. God speaks truth. Devil speaks lies. And he is fighting for your soul. And the battle that you're in is more important than World War II. Because life in this earth is important, but life eternal is of the utmost importance. Now, we don't always need the devil. You don't always need the devil trying to convince you to sin. Listen to this one. First John five, first John one, verse five through ten. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God, now I'm, I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but please engage when I'm reading the word of God, okay? Because it's important. I know that it's easy to zone out. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we, what, deceive ourselves. We don't need the devil to do that. If we don't confess the reality of our situation, we're, we're actively deceiving ourselves, which leads to walking astray, which means we're deceiving ourselves and we go further astray. So, so, so we must confess that we've sinned in order to get out of the sin, and if we don't confess it, we are further deceiving ourselves. So it's settled. We can agree. Can we agree? Yes. We're in a battle. The devil wants to deceive you. Your sinful nature wants to deceive you. The world wants to lead you astray. You have three enemies of your soul. The devil, the demons, and all the spiritual powers of darkness. The world, society, culture, and your own flesh. These are the enemies that you have in the battle that we're in. So, I'm going to read one more passage. It's also long, but stick with me. And then I'm going to address the question, the moments that I have. <laughs> it's okay, though. We're reading a lot of Bible. It's, it's, this is good. But understand this, that in the last days, it's so interesting to me. I noticed that a lot of times when the New Testament talks about deception, it's talking about the last days. In the last days, you could say, well, are we in the last days? Or you could say, let's look at the fruit of the last days and then we could decide. This is the fruit that the scripture says. People will be lovers of self, check. Lovers of money, check. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, check, check, check. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving good. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Is any of that happening? <laughs> Lovers of pleasure 
rather than lovers of God. I would say they have made pleasure their God. Having the appearance of godliness, watch out, but denying its power, avoid such people. Let's jump down to verse 10. You, however, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. This is the last letter that he wrote. The last letter that Paul wrote in in his great ministry, writing to his, his disciple Timothy. He says, you, however, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and in Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord has rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This isn't the only way, but one way you can know whether you're living a a godly life in Christ Jesus is whether you experience persecution. Watch this, verse 13. While evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, now here's the antidote. Some of the antidote. As for you, continue in what you learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So you must learn truth, right? You must have good information to believe in order to walk it out. And one thing that we should consider in considering whether or not we're believing truth is the source of that truth, right? I preached about this at a church a few weeks ago. I said, if somebody comes up to you and says something super crazy, like, Seth, I heard you won $25 million, or Seth, I heard you that you left your wife and you blew up your whole world and you're moving to California. Like, either, either like who's going to move to California right now? So either really, really good, or like a really, really good statement of reality, or a really, really bad one. Notice, it's inherent in humanity, we don't simply address the statement, well, no, neither of those two things are true, and move on. No, we don't do that. It's inside of us to say, who told you that? Like, we want to know. Because we recognize that the source of the information gives validity to the content. So we have to be aware of who it is that we're listening to. And there are a lot of voices, and you have access to voices now more than ever. I mean, oh, politics and news and CNN and, you know, every blog and every Facebook post out there. Everybody's an expert on everything. Are you really an expert on every single situation? And the people you're listening to aren't either. Okay. So what are common techniques used to deceive us? I'm going to address his questions, three, three things, four questions and three things. What are the common techniques used to deceive us? I'd say there's probably many, but let me just touch on a few as best I can. Qu- number one, questions of doubt. Notice in the garden, I didn't have a chance to read it because we read a lot, but in the garden, what this great uh, d- demon Satan did, the great serpent, is he asked questions provoking doubt. He doesn't just come to you and all out lie right at the beginning. He asks questions. Did God really say to you, don't eat of any tree in the garden? Right? He's asking questions that meant to provoke doubt in our soul. And so 
you, what are we really talking about tonight? How do we battle against this? So start to notice the, way, the times and the ways that you begin to ask little questions. You start to question the Bible. You start to question your church. You start to question your leaders. You start to question the things that you've believed. Now, is that to say that everything that anybody that has a position of authority teaches you is, is totally true? No, but you just have to be aware and notice in the circumstances that you're starting to have questions of doubt. And once you start having questions of doubt, that's when you need to bring in reinforcements. Because left to your own mind, you can wander astray, right? And this is what happened in the very beginning in the garden. Uh, Common techniques used to deceive us, popularity or volume of opinion. Popularity or volume of opinion. There are so many things that if if we're really honest, that are happening, happened over the last two, three years in society and the microphone that certain voices got, especially on social media, and for that matter, the voices that were canceled on social media, we are living in a time right now of great deception for sure, but we're living in a time of, of, of canceling and uh, what, what's the word when you... Uh, censorship. This is very scary, friends. This is, should not be a country of censorship. Like, we should let people say what they believe, even if if you and I disagree with it. The reason is because at some point, even if you get your, and your way is the way, you know, at some point, the tables are going to turn. And so I'm very, we need to fight for freedom in this nation. And, but what what is happening in in this time is that there's these voices, these, these statements of truth that aren't actually true, but because of the volume and, and what appears to be the popularity of these things, it's deceiving many. Just think of all the hot-button topics, political, situ- political thing, you know, sexual issues. Like It's like, whoa, everybody believes this. Well, no. Actually, no, that's not true. And historically speaking, the voices that do believe some of these things are so tiny Right? Tradition is the democracy of the past. So you got to be aware of when you start hearing. Anyway, there's such deception. <laughs> I got to move on. I got to move on. Just. You're aware. If you're really honest, you're aware of what's going on. Although, if you are not a believer in Jesus, you might not be aware. If you're not a believer in Jesus, you might be mad that I said that. But our Bible says that you, your mind might be, you, you might be blinded to the truth. And, it, and if that's you, like, we, we want you to know the truth. And the source of truth is God. Some other things that might deceive us, if not popularity, then persecution. The lust of the flesh, sinful desires. Come on, if you're honest, you know that in certain situations, with certain temptations you start telling yourself things that you wouldn't normally tell yourself. 
you start feeling a certain way and you start feeling like you're lacking some things in life that you're, you're worthy of and you start telling yourself lies and your flesh takes advantage of your own deception and leads you astray. So what's the, what's the authority that deception has? I, I'm, honestly, we could dive deeper into this. This person asked for this subject to be a whole series and it probably could be. But I'll just put it really simply. What authority do we have over deception? If you are unsaved, unfortunately, you have no authority. And for that matter, you have no authority over sin and its, and its grip on you. Again, if you don't know Jesus and you haven't surrendered your life to him, you're probably not per- very happy with me for saying that. But if you're walking towards a cliff, it's not kind of me to just let you walk towards it. It's very kind of me to tell you that there's a cliff that's going to kill you. Here's another deception that society is telling us, that if we disagree with anybody, that we're phobic and we're bigots and we're whatever. Listen, if I disagree with you, I can still be kind to you. That is something we need to learn, friends. We need to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. We need to learn how to disagree and speak truth, but still do it in love. And let people know that we're not afraid of them for sure. The idea of throwing the word phobic around is just insanity. But we, we can be unkind sometimes. Beat people with truth. So let's be kind. Let's not be afraid. Let's be loving. But we have to speak the truth. And if you, if you are unsaved, you are bound to sin. You are, you are not free not to sin. Now, for the believer, the one who is saved and in Christ, you are free from sin. You are free from deception, but we can always choose it. You have to be aware of that. The Spirit of God lives in you. You can reject deceitful things when they come to you. You can reject lies. You can reject temptation. You can reject sin. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Don't dishonor God by giving more credit to some fleshly desire or some worldly philosophy than the Spirit of God in you. All right, lastly, I'm going to combine parts of what his question was. How do we recognize deception and what does life without deception look like and how to maintain it? That's a lot. Can I just give you a few? That, and and I'm, I think I'm speaking just universe, universal truth but I'm also just really drawing from my own experience. Number one, if you don't know the word of God, you are, how can we live in this life, in this society, if we don't know what God's word says? Do you remember what the great deceiver did to Jesus in the wilderness? He didn't even quote worldly philosophies. He quoted the Bible. Like this deceiver is so evil that he will speak truth in an untrue way to try and deceive you. And what did Jesus do? Well, oh man, that is in the Bible. Man, I, should, I wonder if, wow, you, that is a verse. No, no, no. He knew. Now, of course, it, it's Jesus. I get it. Okay, you're Jesus. But I believe that 
I believe we can be thematic. I believe that good theology can be automatic and in your heart. You might not know everything. You might not know everything, but, but there is a word that's available, and you can know it. You can at least give yourself to over to reading it. And, I, and I'll just put it like this: if you, if you don't know it, you've got no chance. Know the word of God. And number two, and I cannot. I mean, probably just right below the Bible. I cannot more highly encourage you to have trusted, spirit-filled, gutsy, I'm going to emphasize gutsy people in your world who have access, authority, and the right to speak into your life. It is so important Because I can't think of anybody, maybe you've done this, but how often do we sit around and say to ourselves, am I being deceived right now? (laughs) Like, do you ask yourself that question? It's good if you do. A lot of people don't. Because if you are being deceived, you're probably not going to ask it. If you're wise, you are going to ask it. And if, and if you are asking the question in order to verify whether you are or not, you need an outside source. You need the word. And you need some brothers or sisters in your world. Because a blind spot is only a blind spot if it's blind to you. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that, that Dawn and Deborah have helped me out of my deception. I know I'm a preacher and a man of God, but but there are times that I start to believe incorrectly. You know, I start to have these thoughts of what, well, th- this person, they, they're, man, and then, well, Craig, have you considered, right? We get in like a tunnel and we go down. So, man, I know it's such a big subject. And I'm sure many people in this room would be be so happy if I I was really mainly preaching towards the deception that's going on in society right now. And the truth is, most of us know there is a great deception that's going on in society, especially in America. And we, of course, have a, a responsibility to do our best to fight against that. And we could talk about all that. But I, I wanted to just invite you to actually consider your own heart. It's really easy to just think about the nastiness of the world, but the world's going to be nasty. Would you consider your own life? Are there, are there any areas that maybe you are deceived Well, how would you know? Well, if you're actively walking in sin, it's a pretty good sign. If you're believing opposite of the word of God, that's a pretty good sign. But sometimes it's not that simple. Like there's a lot of of situations where it's maybe not necessarily like you're actively sinning or doing something that, you know, you're not 
You're not walking in something negative, but, but deception is maybe holding you back from something positive. Like, you know, it's a belief, it's a belief maybe even about your own identity, your own ability, because of what somebody spoke over you in the past or because of the lack of success that you've seen in your job, or, or the way that like, a, re- a relationship ended. or I mean, I can't, I can't speak, possibly speak to every circumstance and situation, but I just, I know, I know the enemy, and I know what he's trying to do. And if he's trying to do it, we have to be aware. Hitler bought into this great deception and it changed the course of this war. There is a war that we're in and the deceiver that hates you, he's trying to blind your mind. What was so cool is that one of our sisters came up to me right before I was gonna get up and preach and she had a prophetic word. She she does receive prophetic words often and uh, I I don't believe you've ever, I don't know where, where you're sitting, but I don't believe you've ever given me one quite like this, but... She said, I saw heaven, and I saw from heaven a torpedo come to earth. I never heard her say torpedo before. I saw it so interesting because I don't think about torpedoes very much. It's confirmation the Lord is speaking in this in World War II and submarines and torpedoes. She said, I saw a torpedo come to earth, and on the side of the torpedo it said, Heart of the City Church, and it destroyed the enemy's camp. That's beautiful. So we have to be a people that, that battles against deception in our own heart, in our church, in our families. You gotta ask your kids. Tease out of them what it is that they're believing, right? Because what they believe they'll walk in. Take inventory of your own heart and what you're believing. And, and I, again, I'll just close with this. It is it is very difficult to really walk in this without people around you. And so, I don't know, maybe other than reading the Bible, that would be my greatest challenge and application to you at the end of this message, is please, please, please. Well, you say, well, I have friends. I have friends. Do you have friends that have access to you? Real access. When's the last time that somebody said something that challenged you and your opinion and you were able to disagree but receive? Give it time to marinate. See if maybe you could agree. When's the last time that you have submitted yourself to an authority that you you submitted to even though you disagreed with with what they, they said to do? It just doesn't happen that often anymore. But it's very healthy. We've, we, we've been tainted by the negative, you know, parts of leadership. And so we've kind of sometimes thrown it all out. But there is a healthy form of authority, community, all of those things in the kingdom of God. I just have experienced so many times where I needed people, my wife, trusted friends and brothers to say the things that took guts to say. And I was probably a lot of times mad, mad at them, mad in the moment. But sometimes that's what it takes to to get us out of deception.